Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Welcome. So glad to have you for the morning meeting. Once if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah the 51st chapter. Yesterday I started on a message, Eight Laws That Produce Wealth. I've changed the title. If you're watching online, you already have it. Eleven Laws. I added three more when I was preaching yesterday. That Produce Covenant Financial Fortune. People don't like the word prosperity, so they use blessing. I I like to go in the other direction. If you don't like prosperity, then we'll make it stronger. Covenant Financial Fortune. If you read the stories of the magnets that shaped America... They didn't have more than enough or an overflow. They, God gave them financial fortune. I'll give you one. J.C. Penney tithed off of his business. In fact, when you read about these guys, they tithed off of their business. I'm going to show you a principle from that out of God's word. If somebody's here that already has an established business and they don't tithe, they'll never do it. But then there'll be new people that God gives you a business. And if you do it from the beginning, it's easy. When people make their money outside of God's way, even in church, I worked hard, I invested. There's a lot of Christians, you can talk to them about how they made their money. It's all about them and how hard they worked and they saved. They're good at negotiating. Those things are great. And we're going to talk about those laws. But when you take somebody like J.C. Penney, who tithed off his business, you know, there's a lot of people that do that. You make $100, you give God 10, no problem. You get a thousand dollars. All right. It's a little harder, but I'll give God a hundred. Ten thousand. All right. I'll tie the thousand. But very few people, when they start having four hundred thousand dollars come in a month, are going to cut the church a check for forty thousand. Or if they do, they quit tithing. And excuse me, Pastor Greg, my wife and I need to have a meeting with you. We have a rather large seed that we're going to sow. We just want to have a talk with you about what you're going to use it for, and you turn into what uh, the Bible doesn't call, but I call, and our family calls from West Virginia, a jerk, (laughs) because now it's your money. It's not your seed. Now you're the one. You're actually become the rich people that God warns about in the Bible that think it was the strength of their own hand, and you you start carrying yourself differently, and you know, I, I noticed there was an empty seed on the board. I was wondering, how do you fill those I would be interested in in helping the church. And that's why God can't bless a ton of people. Because as they grow rich, and the Bible has warnings about that, and people that are what they call anti-prosperity, that's what they don't understand. They think a guy like me doesn't understand both sides of it. I understand the warnings to the rich. After pastoring for a year and a half, I really understand the warnings to the rich. There's very few people that are rich that have a pastor. They'll go to church, but they'll do what they want. There's a, we're starting a second branch. Well, I shouldn't say where. In, in a state, I won't say what state, but it rhymes with Bexis. <laughs> There's a guy that owns a huge business there. They have billboards all up over the road. I'll keep it general. And uh, footage came out of a worship leader that was doing his own concert. And then they had a pastor come up and speak in the middle. This is this year. And he gave a long pro-LGBT speech as a pastor of how uh, 
The church has always been against things that they should have been for, and now the new thing is gay marriage, but love is love. I was actually encouraged because you'd have thought people would have said amen. I'd say about half the young crowd that was there for the concert just left quietly, just turned and left. So they find out, I said, I was thinking, what pastor would give a speech like that? And what denomination he's from? Well, I look it up. It's the guy that owns that business that has the billboards all over the road. He's a Christian. He made millions of dollars. So he did what Christians do that make millions of dollars. You know what? I'll start a 501c3. How many of you know we're all called to grow the church? None of us. We're all pastors and evangelists because they won't submit to anybody. So he starts his own church, and within two years, he's completely disgraced. His Instagram's private. The church is shut down. They had to shut down the church three months after that because there's many people that when God prospers them, nobody can talk to them anymore. You know? They, they, won't, they don't have a pastor. They're in church if they can get home for church. I've spent about $3.5 million or four, four and a half since we opened the church chartering aircraft to get back for Sunday to set an example for the people in our church that I too have an eight-figure business and I'm back for church on Sunday. I'm not back when I don't have meetings or, or if I'm not preaching on the road. Sunday is a, is a time to be committed to God's house. Bishop David Oyedepo said Sunday is roll call for who's still in covenant with God. Whatever your reason, if you're not in church, when Sunday morning rolls around, you can dress it up however you want it. My son has uh, is not made the travel baseball team pastor, so we won't be here uh, about two or, you know, we're, at, we're, we're sorry when we got the schedule that we're not going to be able to be there about three Sundays a month. The next time you get sick, have the Little League coach pray for you. Because that's where your covenant is. One thing I'm on solid scriptural ground telling you is God will either be everything or nothing. He will not be second. He'll not be somewhere on your to-do list, fifth or sixth, if there's no cheering or wrestling. You have to make up your mind. This is where prosperity rolls in. It starts with what Proverb, what Solomon said, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. God is very simple to figure out. He's not like an ex-girlfriend you might have had or an ex-boyfriend that you can't figure out. He wants honor. He wants to be everything. And if you put him first, all the other things that everyone's out dying trying to get, I will add them unto you. That's the promise. You keep me first. What, um, what day is Sunday in the week, one through seven? Which one is it? First day. He wants the first hours of the first day. Honor. He wants the first 10% of the money that comes in. So I don't know about that. Okay, you want to go deeper? He wants your firstborn child. If you read the Bible, firstborn child's to be dedicated to the Lord. The first puppy you have, you read scripture, livestock's to be given to the Lord. People say it gets quiet. You're taking this a little far. Okay, then don't take it as far as me, and the country will be overrun by people that serve another religion that take theirs more seriously than you take Christianity. They don't have a yearly prayer meeting. They have prayer five times a day. And they don't believe in sacrificing 10% of their income. They believe in sacrificing their bodies strapped with explosives to blow up buildings for infidels. God said in Deuteronomy 28, if you don't serve me, your nation will be overrun by people that serve a pagan God who are harsh and unforgiving and run you out of your own land. Many of the cities in the United States, including this one, are on the border of that right now.
but I'm not selling America out. God is going to shake this place one more time, and he's going to do it by raising up a people that don't have a 2023 lukewarm commitment to God. God is their everything. Christ is their everything. And the propagation of the gospel is their everything. So you give the first hours of a new week, dedicated to the Lord. The new week, I'm back in your house. J.C. Penney started tithing. He did what many people do when his business grew. He said, I'm not cutting a check for 100000 putting it in the offering. Most people don't know how to give unless it's to a project. Pastor, uh, do you have any projects? You don't give because there's a project. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, though men receive the tithe here on earth, it is received by him in heaven whom it is witnessed he lives forever. In other words, you don't give your tithe and offering. Pastor Greg receives it. I receive it. But it's received in heaven by Christ. That's why the reward doesn't come from the church. The reward comes from, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that's so great, you won't have room enough to take it all in. Pastor, are there any projects coming up? We have a rather lot. Just give it. I know anytime somebody starts talking like that, they're already trying to weasel out of what the Holy Spirit spoke to them to do. You know why? Because I've been a Christian for almost 40 years. I've never one time had the Holy Spirit speak to me. Interview that pastor, and if he has something that you think is worthwhile enough, I want you to give. He just says, give. My grandfather pastored for 62 years. This is in the 70s. He saw a homeless guy in West Virginia, or in uh, Virginia Beach, and the Lord spoke to him, give him $10. So he went over to give him $10, and you know, he's Pentecostal holiness. He said, what are you going to spend this on? And uh, how come you don't have a job? And after the second question, the Holy Spirit said to my grandfather, I didn't tell you to interview him. I told you to give. Yeah, that's right. So the more freely you get with releasing money in church, the more freely God gets in releasing money to you. Some of you should just pretend at offering time that the buckets are slot machines. <laughs> then it'd be easy. You think I'm joking. It actually gets easy to give it offering time. It just pretend. Sometimes when I was getting ready to give something large, I just pretend in my brain I'm giving to something that's easy for my flesh to give to. Pretend it's a vacation. Pretend you're remodeling your kitchen backsplash for the third time. So you have something to post on Instagram. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God will cause men to give liberally into your bosom. So the, what made this nation great at first was not government economic policy. If you're waiting for the right politicians to get in to fix the country, you're going to be waiting until you're dead. We just need the, go, you know, we need the government to invest money. The government, if the government was in charge of the Sahara Desert, there'd be a shortage of sand within five years. They don't create money. They lose money into their own pockets. So if something's going to change, there's going to have to be believers that do what Abraham did and make up their mind to rise up in covenant wealth. And that's how America was built. First Baptist hospital. First Presbyterian hospital. People rose up. Not waiting for elected officials to do it. They rose up in wealth. And then when you read their stories, they've erased them from their bios. But if you dig, they made it through covenant wealth. J.C. Penney starts a business, tithes. Then when it starts growing, he thinks, nah, you know, and I'll tell you what happens. And I'm, I'm not just saying this to fill time. As you grow, 
You know, when you're baking cookies out of your kitchen for your business, you don't have a board of directors. It's just you calling the shots. But then as it grows and you, you, you know, you start getting advice, I need to incorporate. Incorporation requires a board of directors. You start putting people on the board of directors that aren't in covenant with God. Now you can't give 10% off of what comes in. No one does that. And the next thing you know, you've allowed un, unsaved un, uh, people not in covenant with God to pull you out of your covenant. You know where you see this all the time? Is in the NFL, NBA, baseball. Guy signs his rookie contract, and you hear about it. Signed a $4 million signing bonus and sent a check for 400000 to uh, uh, Saginaw Church of God in Christ. But then when he re-signs, all of a sudden that tithe ain't going to a church. Goes to the Humane Society. He's giving 10% to charity. Charity, the church is not a charity. The church has been given charitable status by the United States. But the church is a standalone kingdom enterprise that's watched over by God. I guarantee you that's why that guy down in, in uh, Texas started that church. Because he has a, a I'm sure it's an eight-figure business. I'm not giving, you know, why would I give three million to some church when I could just start my own church, have my wife pastor? People do that all the time. They start rising up, all of a sudden their wife feels called into ministry. I've always wanted to start a, a battered women's shelter. That's great, start one. But it's not a church. You start, you start in your own 501c3, even me. You know, I have this, I'm with you, I'm an evangelist through Wednesday. I pastor at home. We have Revival Today Church, and we have Revival Today Evangelistic Association. I could on paper tithe and make it look like I'm tithing from Revival Today Evangelistic Association to the church. Then I could tithe from the church to the Evangelistic Association, and on paper it would look like we're a tithing ministry, but all I'm doing is taking money from my right pocket and putting it in my left pocket. Until a seed leaves your hand, it's not a seed. You giving Pastor Greg, you know, and I hope they're watching these, these quote-unquote rich people that aren't even that rich, that own corporations. Pastor Greg, we heard about the work you're doing in St. Louis. We'd like you to meet with us and tell us what you're doing. And then we'll give you 35000 35000 That's what these corporations do. Did you ever go early to a Cardinals game? Tonight's Presbyterian Church Night. The Presbyterian Churches of Missouri are donating $11,000 to charities. Everyone claps, 11000 What are they going to buy with that? Four cartons of eggs? You're telling me, and they'll say it. It's like nobody even does the math. These Presbyterian churches, representing 273 churches in the St. Louis area, have given $11,000. They're holding a big golf tournament check, smiling. Do the math. You bunch of tightwad cheapskates, given, given what? Every congregation given 300 bucks, 400? Yeah, but Jonathan, some people don't have money. Everybody's got an iPhone, and if everybody dropped their iPhone, they'd find a way to get $1,400 within 12 hours if they had to sell a kidney to the Matamoros drug cartel. Because you give to what's important to you. You got people with no shoes on walking around homeless with a brand new iPhone. Because the internet's important to them. Can you say amen? Where a man's treasure is reveals where his heart is also. So J.C. Penney gives. And I'm not picking on Presbyterians. I just had to pick a denomination. And I didn't want to say Lutheran because I'm in Missouri and I want to make it to the parking lot alive. (laughs) 
So, if only that was a joke. J.C. Penney starts giving. Business grows up. He makes up his mind. It's kind of ridiculous to do 10% off the top of your business. And he, uh, by the way, I'm going to receive an offering at the end. This is not all driving to an offering. I'd take an offering if I was preaching John 3.16. You receive offerings as a minister because it's instructed in the Bible. This is not going to end with everyone that gives $1,000 today is going to be a millionaire within 24 hours. I'm telling you why. Because people watch these videos that I play, and you owe it as a minister, if you're honest, to tell them why it happened. Wasn't luck. We are a tithing ministry. I have ministers contact me that watch online. Hey, I saw you, you have that jet that's been given to you to use. How'd that happen? Through the tithes and offering. No, but I know. I know we tell the people that, but like, how did it actually happen? That's how. That's the whole story. You begin tithing. I mean, I could have told you what 10% was before I could have told you what two plus two was. I still clearly remember when I was like four, somebody giving me two quarters and my mother telling me how much of that belongs to God. Thinking, how the heck should I know? I thought he gave it to me. No, 10% of everything you have in your hand goes to God. I grew up in the assemblies of God. They had it in us. We had those little plastic buddy barrels. They had us putting change in for missions. You know, I, I thank the assemblies of God for that. Maybe that's when it got in my spirit to, to start thinking about people overseas preaching the gospel when you're five and six and putting your change in to have a part in God's plan. That got ingrained in me from childhood. So J.C. Penney, Americans did that. 90% of world missions giving to this day still comes from the United States of America. A ton of that would be from Missouri. There's huge headquarters of all kinds of denominations in this state. A Missouri people are generous people. You don't have to talk them into giving. What I'm trying to get to is there's a, you're not sacrificing 10% of your income because that's what people teach. How many of you know we should live on less so that others can simply live? No. Give and you shall receive. Your gift will return to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I will cause men to give liberally into your bosom. I thought you Christians were supposed to give all your money to the poor. Proverbs 28, 27. He who gives to the poor will never lack anything. Yeah, it says he who, he who lends, gives to the poor lends to the Lord and the Lord will repay. That's another verse. Proverbs 28, 27. He who gives to the poor will never lack anything. You taking care of other people's lack erases your chances of ever being in lack. That's a Bible principle. Can you say amen? amen. So J.C. Penney quits tithing. Business crashes. Once bitten, twice shy. He tells the Lord, if you'll help me recover, I'll give you 20% off the top from now on. And he's still, you know, what's funny is if you read like Business Insider, they can't figure out. I remember reading a whole article. They can't even figure out how J.C. Penney's still in business. There's not one mother here that if you told your kid, I'm taking you to J.C. Penney to buy you new school clothes. They say, where are my old school clothes? <laughs> but, it, but it still keeps, keeps in business. It was a tithe-built business. Colgate toothpaste, if you use that. Young Colgate's on a plane going to New York to start a soap company. And the ship captain tells him, son, if you'll give 10% of everything that comes into that 
soap company to the Lord, God will prosper your soap business. I think he was 17 at the time. So he makes up his mind to do it. Colgate has a different story than J.C. Penney. As he saw it working, he didn't cut out on it. He upped it to 20%, worked more, 30%, more. By the time Colgate died, 50% of everything that came into Colgate was going back to the Lord. Well, now it's run by heat like happens. A couple generations later, there's people that forget God, forget what built the thing. That's what's happening. Forget Colgate. That's what's happening to the country. Look at Bible schools. Founded to raise up preachers that now hate the Bible, won't allow the Bible on campus. America was built that way, and there's a generation now that doesn't know how these great buildings were built, that it was built by people. They weren't perfect, but they had a, something in their heart that I want to build the kingdom of God. And it's time to remind the body of Christ to get back to that place because what built this place the first time is the only hope to build it again. And if you can get one person turned on to this today, God will use you to make up for 100,000 people's lack. Can you say amen? Isaiah 51. Listen to me, all who hope for deliverance, all who seek the Lord. This is God's instruction to everyone who wants deliverance. What's the next verse? Isaiah had a $500 90-day course where he'd teach you about demons in your bloodline. And slowly over the course of three months, you could get rid of the demons that have crawled into your blood. No. Anybody that needs 90 days to cast a devil out doesn't have enough anointing to blow the fuzz off a peach. And anybody that charges for deliverance will go to hell. Yeah, I know, I know that wouldn't make, make a nice feeling in the room, but it needs to be said. How many people did Jesus charge to cast the devil out of them? Good thing he didn't charge that naked guy per demon. He had 6,000 demons. He needed millions of dollars to get delivered. I don't know where these new people come from. How many of you know even after we get saved, we have curses in our bloodline that we don't know about? What scripture is that? If that's true, how come Paul, how come there's not one New Testament scripture devoted to ejecting curses that have followed you into your Christianity? Well, it's getting quiet. I don't care if tumbleweed and crickets blow through. <laughs> if any man be in Christ, he is a... The old life is dead. Behold, all things have become new. I mean, no, we carry curses in our bloodline. Do we? Because when I got saved, I got a new bloodline. My old blood is not what's in me anymore. I have the righteous blood of Jesus Christ flowing in my veins, and it carries no curse. Can you everybody say, I'm delivered? To all who seek deliverance, I have this to say to you, God said. Ask your pastor to pray in speed tongues over you for 20 minutes and fling oil around like you're a plate of macaroni. No. Consider the rock from which you were hewn, the quarry from which you were mined. This is the secret to being delivered and staying delivered. Consider the rock from which you were cut, the quarry from which you were mined. Where did you come from? I'm Polish. No. I'm black. No. Where'd you come from? Consider Abraham your ancestor and Sarah who bare thee. 
Abraham was one man when I called him. But when I blessed him, he became a mighty nation. I have a, 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 the title I told you, but you could, you could caption today, a mighty nation. That's what tithing and offering and following God's covenant brings you to. Not you having enough, not you having enough and some left over. It's a plan for God to turn people into nations. We're taking delivery of that Falcon 50 aircraft that I, that I played. There would be many nations getting close to 100, that the prime minister of that nation does not have private aircraft. But I do. I remember one time pulling onto the, and I never went after it. It's required for what I do. You can't preach in Pittsburgh in the morning and St. Louis at night by bicycle or Amtrak, and you can't do it by commercial flight. There's no direct flight Pittsburgh to St. Louis. And if there was, with our current transportation secretary, it has about a 31% chance of landing on time. So you can't do it. You know, you have other preachers. I don't know why any preacher would need a jet. If I preach Sunday morning and then rested till next Sunday morning, I also wouldn't need a jet. You're not doing what I'm doing. So I understand why you don't understand. But I'm on a mission for God to redeem the time for the days are evil. A preacher should preach. Steel workers get up early. Natural gas guys get up early. Military gets up early. If you're doing the work of the gospel, you should put pedal to the metal till Jesus comes back. But I remember pulling up one time on, onto the private airfield, and the lady said, thank you for all your business. Well, I didn't, you know, you don't realize, you're just doing. I said, oh, you're welcome. She said, I don't think anybody in Pittsburgh uses private aircraft more than you. I said, seriously? She said, maybe Ben Roethlisberger, but I think you. Well, how did I get, and by the way, the only reason Ben Roethlisberger is using private aircraft that much is his wife is a born-again Christian who preaches. So she's doing, the, the two people, according to the FBO, that are using that the most are people that are spreading the gospel. Whether you believe it or not, I'm telling you, God is going to flip the table on the devil. And the greatest economic wonders in this last period of time are sitting in this room and are going to rise up and take their place in Jesus' name. Abraham was one man when I called him. But when I finished... He became a mighty nation. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12. Very glad you came today. I believe in you. That's why I'm preaching this. I wish somebody would have preached this to me when I was 14 and 15. I didn't have to find it myself and be warned about the people that preach it. That guy preaches prosperity. You know, preachers that get up on 45 minutes begging for money to fix a leak in the roof that they don't listen to that guy. He believes in prosperity. You're the one begging for money. Not him. How, how hypocritical do you have to be to preach against prosperity and then ask people to give? What are they supposed to give? You told them they're not supposed to have more. You, just you asking people to give shows that you believe God requires them to have more than they need. Genesis 12.1, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. That's when, when you hear people say blessed to be a blessing, that's where they get it from. Just the basic requirements of Christianity require riches. Feed the hungry, 
Can't feed the hungry if your whole focus is on feeding you or you and your child. Clothe the naked. Can't clothe the naked if you have your hands full clothing your own child and wife and you and that's it. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked. Those are the simple, those are like the first commands Jesus gave in the New Testament that show Christianity requires more than enough. Well, God's not going to give a, a requirement for you to have more than enough and then not provide the means to have more than enough. I will bless you. I will make you famous. And you will be a blessing. Everybody say, I will be a blessing. I already made up my mind. Long from now, if Jesus tarries, when they find me in my bed and I've passed on to heaven, they're not going to have to call the cousins in and my daughter and her and whoever else and find out how much everybody owes to bury my body. They're going to find out how much everybody gets left. I'm not here to deplete resources. I'm here to create resources. Because I have my father Abraham's DNA on the inside of me. And I'll, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And when God says curse, he means kill. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 13, 2. One chapter later. And Abram was very rich. Not rich. Very rich. But how many know that could mean spiritual riches? God knew there'd be people like that, so he put in parentheses, in livestock, silver, and gold. I want you to say something with me. Don't focus on where you are now. Focus on where you're going. When my wife and I were staying in an 800-square-foot apartment that took all our faith to get that, we were usually late with our rent payments. And I'm not old enough for that to be a long time ago. I'm telling you how quickly things can turn. We could not afford a laptop for the ministry or personally. We did all of our finance stuff on an iPhone 1 or whatever it was. We had one iPhone between the two of us. We had no money. And then the ministry started growing. And Adalis handled all the work. She said, we need to hire a staff member. I said, Adalis, we'll never need to hire a staff member. I said, anything I can't do, you can do. And anything you can't do, we can, we can subcontract somebody. So you know where I'm at now wasn't my faith. So if you're sitting here, you don't have any employees. You know, I could never. I know what that feels like. But what you're going to find out is if you take the steps Abraham took, that's why God's not just telling you what happened to Abraham. He's showing you how he got there. Steps are repeatable because God is no respecter of persons. So when you do what Abraham did, you get what Abraham got. Even if you can't see it, you start putting your train on different tracks. In a crowd this size, some people watching online, some people are on train tracks that lead to divorce, bankruptcy, drug addiction, alcohol dependency. But when you get on different tracks, that train just starts taking you in the direction that Abraham went. I remember one of Dallas said, because we had Magalas. She was right. I hired her part-time and paid her per hour because I thought we're kind of like on a lucky streak in the ministry right now. If it goes back to the way it was, then I won't have to fire her. I'll just cut her hours. That's, that was me. Then we need a second person because Magalis' time is getting taken up with data entry, forgiving. So we need to get somebody to do the finances, get Patrick. Well, you can't have two people meet in somebody's house. 
That's unfair to the person that has the house, and it's creepy. So you need an office. I had told Adolis, we will never need an office. I don't know why my dad even has one. You just do it at home. People can work at their house. Then it starts necessitating an office. We bought this office or rented it. It must have been 900 square feet or so. When I would do my broadcast, we'd push all the employees off screen and shut the phones off. And I was doing a broadcast. They had to work quietly. Then it keeps growing. Then we rent a bigger office. Then we re-rent the office we moved out of on top of that office. Then we outgrew both of those and we're going to need a third. And at that point, it made more sense to just get a place. Well, let me, let me read you something that's part of this Abrahamic covenant. Turn to Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. 11 laws that produce covenant financial fortune. I'll probably just get one today. Deuteronomy 28.1. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You know, God's... God speaks what he means. If you do what I tell you to do, you will operate at a higher level than nations of the world operate. Four amens is more than you'd get at most churches, so I'll take it. The problems of that nation will not become your problems. I'm going to fly to my meetings if they lose the ability to run domestic air travel completely. If you were here two years ago, I told you the Lord started speaking to me. There's going to come a disruption in domestic air travel. Start exercising your faith to use planes so that you won't miss a beat when it hits. I'm on record saying that a year and a half ago, two years ago during COVID, and it didn't look possible. You're not going to miss a step. You're not going to be saying, you know, I'm not going to be able to travel as an evangelist because American Airlines and Delta and United are, are, are shipwrecked. They don't know what they're doing. So until they get things figured out, no. God is not going to have the church drop to the level of the problems of America. God's going to raise his body up so we become the solution center to our nation. And the more specific you make it, the better. Yeah, the church is going to do it. And we are all living stones in that house. You, you have to get it in your spirit and get a picture that God's going to increase me. The Bible says you'll be a thousand times stronger than you are now. Your job's not to figure it out. Your job, what's that guy, uh, not Evan Roberts, who was the guy from England that had the great evangelistic ministry? George Jeffries. I preached for a guy in Vermont. He was in his 70s. I was, I was uh, 20. And he went to the Bible college in England that George Jeffries had started. George Jeffries had a massive healing and, and, and uh, miracle ministry. In fact, the Queen of Holland was unable to have children, and he prayed for it at a meeting, and she had kids, and word got out in the royal family that that happened. Anytime somebody was sick at Buckingham Palace, they sent a Rolls Royce for him, drove him to the palace, and had him pray for whoever was sick. He packed out uh, Royal Albert Hall for weeks at a time, born blind people healed, that kind of stuff. Well, he wasn't teaching at the Bible college anymore. 
He was an old man. But this guy that I'm preaching for in Vermont finds out that his house is next door and he still lives there. So at 18, he comes over and knocks at the door. The butler answers, can I help you? He said, I would like to meet George Jeffries. He said, he said he's not receiving visitors. But he said George Jeffries came behind him and he had gardening gloves on and was taking them off in his 70s. He said, are you a student at the Bible school? He said, I am. He said, come in. So he said, I sat down at his dining room table with him and he had a big leather Bible sitting there. He said, ask me whatever you want. He said, Brother Jeffries, what's the secret to the miracles that you've been able to see in your ministry? He said, he reached down and real slowly opened his Bible. He was getting ready to hear some great message or revelation and he went, believe it! And shut the Bible and went upstairs. That's how old preachers are. Your job's not to figure it out. Your job's to believe it. And what you believe out of the word, it empowers you to become. Because the word carries in itself the power to make it come to pass. My word is incorruptible seed. It always accomplishes its given result. Your believing is what releases the power to lay hold of the thing God's word says. For my word will not return unto me void. Somebody say, I believe. You will experience all these blessings. How many of them? All of them. It's not telling you blessings and then you'll get like one or two. All of them. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. When you have a meeting with the city council, you don't have to do it in Missouri because they're smart enough in this state to know that churches help. You know, you always hear people say, why do these churches not have to pay taxes? As if there's no answer to the question. Why don't you dig up in U.S. history why they wrote churches out of the tax code? Because they said these people do more good for the community than what we would get in taxes. So we want there to be more churches. How do you stop domestic violence without the church? What can the government do? Put up a billboard on 170, domestic violence hurts everyone. You think anyone's going to drive by that that beats their kid and go, you know what, that's right. I never thought of that before. No, they're messed up in their spirit. So all you can do is public service. Do you have HIV? Do you need treatment? Call this number. All you can do is try to put some Vaseline on major problems, on a cancer. But the church puts a power in people that destroys the desire to beat your wife or beat your child or hurt people or kill people. Without the church, America's gone. It's the only thing that gives value to the nation. Then it used to be that way, but it is now. What is there that brings any life to this section of St. Louis besides this church? I'm not picking, I'm telling you, this church is a diamond in the midst of closed down buildings. There's one place with a full parking lot and freshly painted sign and nice billboard. The church brings life wherever it goes. When you go to places that aren't as smart as Missouri, you have to explain to the city council, why would we ever want to rezone a church? You people take our tax money. Hey, dum-dum, let me explain something to you. If you have 2,000 people in church on Sunday, born-again Christians, everything's sin. The only thing you're allowed to do is eat. And church gets out at noon. And you have 2,000 people leaving church that are hungry and expert eaters. They're not going to drive an hour to a restaurant. They're going to go to local restaurants. 
So though you don't get direct tax from a church, what you, this happens, go drive down to Houston where Joel Osteen's church is and watch, look at the shops. I asked the lady at the Starbucks by Joel Osteen's church, I said, on Sunday morning, how long's the line for coffee? And she went, oh, we don't even want to work Sunday mornings. So sometimes it's an hour and 10 minutes long for coffee. Boom, 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 boom. Shops, all kinds of stuff. Because pe- people leave, it attracts people to an area who then spend money. You don't have to have an economics degree from Bryant University to understand that. That when you start attracting families by the thousands into a place, local barber shops prosper, local salons prosper, local restaurants prosper. Churches bring life. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. If that was the only paragraph in the Bible, I'd sign up right now. And there's a whole book more, and there's a whole uh, half chapter full more. Gets better. Everybody say, gets better. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction, but they'll run from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do. I had the Lord speak to me one time a few years ago in January. How would you plan your, plan your year if you actually believed that verse that you preached to people was true? That whatever you did, I would guarantee a blessing on it. Well, I want to be taking half steps. I mean, no, we need to move prayerfully and carefully. No, prayerfully and aggressively. Because if you have a guaranteed blessing on everything you do, obviously that's in context of in line with your calling. That you don't have to take little half measures. Some of you saw the video of when we, um, see if you can pull it, Brother Jake. The uh, Philadelphia crusade, the first one I ever did. I think that's when I met Pastor Greg. And yeah, you guys helped me on that. I had the Lord speak to me. I'm opening a door for you to preach in the inner city of Philadelphia. Don't represent me on some rickety stage with a crackling sound system. That's what I grew up in. Sorry for the sound problems tonight, folks. The devil's been attacking the sound system. Funny how when you buy a good sound system, the devil stops attacking the sound system. Don't stand up in that park and tell people you serve me with everything you have misrepresenting me like you know, like I have no money and everything has to have a deal. He's not Jehovah Bargoni, the God who gives good deals. He's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. And I'm telling you, that that meeting in 2015 changed my life because I saw God be El Shaddai in every area you could be El Shaddai. You know, if I would rent a hotel ballroom back then and say, I'm going to preach, please come, we're going to have a miracle service, I'd have 40 people, 60, I'd be psyched if 80 people showed up. I called a meeting, rented a hotel ballroom. It was not a preaching meeting. It was for workers that want to help volunteer to assemble food boxes for the people in Philadelphia, to load trucks, to drive forklifts, not spiritual work, like hard work in the summer. I go to walk in and somebody stops me out front. They go, you wait, do you see how many people are in there? 327 people that showed up at that meeting in 2015 to work. They're playing music. I feel like I'm at the Academy Awards when my speech went too long. (laughs) 327 people show up. And I thought, oh my, you know, I didn't have a church. I had no way to pull volunteers. We had no church sponsorship. 
and that God sent us more than enough security, greeters, food, uh, uh, people put the food together, forklift operators, everything. Then we go to the place. I'm thinking, who's going to show up? No, I'm not famous. I'm not mildly famous. Why is anybody in Philadelphia going to come out and hear me preach? And the first night, 2,200 plus people lined up. I thought, well, when I get up and crack my Bible, everybody's going to scatter. It was the opposite. People pressed in and heard the word of God. 2,564 first-time decisions for Christ in one night. And the money, everything paid. No trouble because we serve El Shaddai. Stop moving like you have to produce your own blessing. You are blessed. And since you folks are so easy to preach to, I'll say stuff deeper than I'd say other places. God actually doesn't get interested in things you plan that you can do yourself. When you start moving into a direction that you require God's help, then God gets interested. I'm actually in the happiest place I've ever been in my life because when I was first married, our goal was to have, we needed $3,200 a month to break even. Well, $3,200 a month, that was like unattainable. I was getting like a Sunday morning meeting, a Friday night youth meeting. That'd be like all I'd get for the month. And uh, I believe for that money. But you know, you can worry about $3,200 because you can figure out a way to get $3,200. Could sell your car if it was a bad month you, and then rent one for the meeting. You start thinking about backup plans if it doesn't come in. Well, now we've hit a place where the budget is what, probably $1.4 million a month. I'm the happiest I've ever been because I can't figure out a friggin' way to get half that. So it's at a point now, I don't even ask what the offerings are. I find out what an offering is in a place a week. It just doesn't, when I say it doesn't matter, I'm not trying to make it work. I realize that God has put a wind in the sails. That plane was offered to us. I can't tell the, it's going to save us $400,000 a year for a better aircraft. The building and land given to us. You'll start to understand that if you put God first in your finances, God will routinely drop in your lap what you couldn't have saved up enough money for if you saved your tithe for a hundred lifetimes. Return the tithe unto me. It's honor. And if you do, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and open the floodgates and pour out a blessing that's so great. Say this with me. What a time to be alive. Without the eyes of faith, you would drive around parts of St. Louis and think, boy, this is not a good time economically, but not for you. Now there's buildings for lease. There's office buildings for sale that would have been five times the price a handful of years ago. They haven't had a buyer. I'm driving by empty buildings that were empty when I was here two years ago. That guy would probably take anything for it right now. He's getting nothing and having to pay taxes. When other people see decrease, the eyes of faith see an opportunity to make moves that are once-in-a-lifetime moves. Let's say we hit a, 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 it looks unlikely, but let's say we hit a recession towards the end of the year. I'm good either way. If the stock market, well, the stock market crashed, that means there's stocks that were $1,000 a share two years ago, that now you can pick up for $90 a share. And they're strong companies, but everybody panic sold. If you would have bought the day after the COVID lockdowns, you'd have hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars off a thousand, seven thousand, ten thousand dollars. When the world's moving in fear, 
When everyone's selling equipment, you're buying equipment. When people are selling land, you're buying land. We move in the opposite direction of the world because we live in this world, but we're not of this world. That's Jewish real estate tactics. Place gets run down, Jewish people move in because they're like, well, it's all run down. Yeah, I'll get it for pennies on the dollar. By the blessing on my life, I'll build it back up and sell it for 10 times what I did. Then let the Gentile people run it back down and do it all over again. Because I have a blessing on my life. Somebody say, I have a blessing on my life. Is there anything greater than that blessing? Oh, your nose weak. Is there anything greater than that blessing? Does anyone have the power to curse who God has blessed? People are racist, though. That's right. They always have been. They hated Hebrews in, in Genesis. God will prosper you right in the face of, ra- of the racist. God will make that racist your personal assistant and put you over him just to rub it in his face. You cannot curse who God has blessed. Stop talking about what's against you. And remember, if God is for me, who can be against me? Come on, take 15 seconds and clap your hands. Give God a mighty shout. Make a joyful noise. The devil is defeated. The bondage of poverty is shattered. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction, but they'll run from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. Everybody say, fill my storehouse with grain. You know what that means? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. I mean, no late in the midnight hour, like you did with Paul. Sometimes we want him to come in early, but sometimes he waits till late in the midnight hour. You know, Paul was thrown in prison at like 1120. So the reason God broke him out late in the midnight hour is he got in prison at 11. He wasn't in there for no 13 years. He wasn't in there for a week. They threw him into prison. He had enough time to pray and sing praises unto God, and suddenly there was a massive earthquake. People have taught that living by faith means just enough. You should shoot for what the Bible says, which is a barn full of grain. Do you know what that means? Say this out loud. Before the need arises, the provision will be there ahead of time. I had a talk with a young crusade evangelist, not Preacher Jay, another one. You know, if he was going to do a crusade in Africa and it cost 340000 he would do what they teach us to do. If you need 340000 as a minister, what do you try to raise? 340000 So then when you get it, where are you at after the crusade? So then you, the cycle repeats. Now you got to start from scratch again. There's no, there's no shooting to have overflow, which belongs to you. Psalm 23, 5, thou anointest my head with oil. My cup is half full. My cup is full. No, my cup, shoot for overflow. I told him, don't raise the amount. Then you, hear, then you see people. They raise the 340. Actually, an, an additional 20,000 expenses will come out. No freaking kidding. How many times does that have to happen before you realize that happens? There's unexpected things. Brakes fail on cars. Put it into account. What moron shoots to raise 100% of their budget and nothing more? 
Then every year you have to start from scratch. That's why you see these guys. They've been preaching for 55 years and they need next week's offering to live. That's not God's way. I said, that's not God's way. What you expect is what you'll experience. The expectation of the righteous shall not be cut off. If you expect God to come through in the midnight hour, your faith will be coming through in the midnight hour. But if you expect out of Deuteronomy 28, that not only will my needs be met, I'll have an overflow of supplies to do the next thing, that the man of God may abound to every good work. Then you'll have that. My Uncle Ted has been here to preach. When he started off in evangelism, he lived with his parents. And my grandfather, I told you, was a pastor. My grandfather was a cool guy. So he would drive my uncle's car when he got home to make sure it was in good working order. And he said, hey, Ted. Now, my, my, my grandfather was different. He operated in prosperity, and it wasn't even off of like a revelation in the Bible. He thought it was stupid to be poor. He didn't serve the Lord. And he said, I had money when I was a sinner hustling at the pool halls. Why would I have less when I serve God? So he came from the Pentecostal where you wore beat up shoes proudly, beat up suits that didn't fit with the sleeves hanging past your knuckles. Just let the people know you're struggling. He wouldn't do it. I'm not looking like that. He just said, he wouldn't even quote the scripture. He just said, that's dumb. And I'll tell everybody say, as my faith is, so be it unto me. You know, it's hard in the ministry. It'll always be hard. You can tithe and give as much offering as you want. If your confession doesn't change, you'll always have what you say. But if you'll give and then say, I'll bless the Lord at all times, something good is happening to me. Every crooked path is being made straight. My God is making streams in the desert. And you get a different thing. Let me tell you a story about my grandfather who believed like that. He had his uh, fourth son, and he asked the board of the church, and it was the largest church in that district, could I have a $5 a month raise? Which doesn't sound like much, because it's not much, but you know, if you adjusted for inflation under our current administration, $5 back then equals like $7.3 billion today. <laughs> so he said, can I have a $5 raise? And they voted it down. So obviously that's discouraging. And before he had a chance to get discouraged, that week when he was at his pastor's desk, a guy walked in and said, I heard the board voted down your raise. So that's right. He took a set of Cadillac keys and threw them on the desk. He said, there's a brand new Cadillac outside for you. I have a Cadillac dealership. That's yours. Give it back to me at the end of every year, and I'll give you a brand new one. And that guy gave my grandfather a brand new Cadillac every year for 23 years. When the devil goes out of his way to curse you, God will go out of his way to bless you. I said, when the devil goes out of his way to curse you, God will go out of his way to bless you. There are people that are here right now that the devil's gone out of his way to hammer your head and keep you down. The end of this year is going to be marked by God our Father going out of his way to bless you. And in blessing, I will bless thee. If you believe it, can you shout amen like thunder? So then, that guy that owned the Cadillac dealership, he drove a Rolls Royce. The difference between a Rolls Royce and a Bentley, they say a, a Bentley is a car to be driven, a Rolls Royce is a driver's car. So when you see these guys get rich and they buy themselves a Rolls Royce, English people are laughing at them. That's a chauffeur's car. 
Rolls Royces are actually made so you can sit in the back and have your tea and stuff. It's like a TV back there. You sit in what's called the owner's corner. I can see I'm turning the crowd against me because of my knowledge of Rolls Royce, but I, I can't help it. <laughs> so this guy routinely would pull up in his Rolls Royce when my grandfather was, my grandfather would pastor and then go out and preach during the week. So he would pick, he liked my grandfather. One of the things that tithing does is it puts a, a grace on your life. I could show it to you if I don't run myself out of time. In Hebrews chapter 7, there's a grace that comes on your life that makes people like you and want to help you. I'll cause men to give to you. If you watch my daughter Camila, that's what she has. People just like her. Jesse Duplantis was looking at her in the front row at his conference and said, hey, Camila, come and just tell the people whatever's on your, on your heart to say. Who, who, who turns the mic over to anybody in a meeting, let alone a 10-year-old? It's a recipe for ministerial suicide. People like my daughter. When you tithe, it puts a grace on you that people are attracted to you. People were attracted to Jesus. Luke 8, 1 to 3 makes note of the women that routinely followed him around and gave, Chooses business manager, was given out of Herod's account to Jesus' ministry. Luke 8, 1 to 3. People like you. People want to meet with you. People, you'll hear people say stuff like, we've never done this for anyone before. I don't know why I'm doing this. It's like their mind's, their mind's trying to fight against what's just happening by grace. So uh, this guy would pick up my grandfather in a Rolls Royce, have him get in the back, right? And drive him to the Assemblies of God Church to preach. My grandfather got called into a district disciplinary meeting. <laughs> they had no idea why. They said, what's going on in your ministry? We said, what are you talking about? They said, well, we have the paperwork of how much your church takes in every year. You, they, they voted down a $5 a month raise. Where did you get the money to have a Rolls Royce? And a driver. They thought it was his Rolls Royce and driver. Imagine God blessing you so much that it angers the people that wanted to see you stay poor. That's what God has in store for his children. Be listen now. Because he didn't just break them out of Egypt. Exodus chapter 12. Before you go. Ask your Egyptian captors for their silver and their gold, and in this way will you plunder the Egyptians. On their way out of Egypt, they took all the wealth of that nation that had kept them in slavery for 430 years. No matter how things have started out, I got news for you today. God's not through blessing you. God's not through blessing your children. And if the devil starts messing with you, God starts going out of his way to get the blessing to you. Go ahead, take 30 seconds and rejoice ahead of time. The blessing is coming your way. Somebody shout hallelujah. Well, say it right out loud. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Deuteronomy 28. Let me tell you another Rolls Royce story. <laughs> I went down when the hurricane hit last year in Florida. I went down to help Pastor Rodney out. He didn't ask me. I, I felt to because I, I knew what he was doing. He was building that church. Then plus he was helping out hurricane victims. I think he gave over a million dollars from the church for hurricane relief. And I knew he was in the middle of that building program. 
So I said, let, let me do your TV, and I, I want to believe God with you while you're out helping hurricane people that this week won't be like a drop-off financially that I want to help you. Go on TV and appeal. He never takes offerings on TV. I said, well, let's change it. There's people who watch every night. They'd love to give. They're never given the opportunity. And so uh, he let me. So when I go down there, I don't know whether it was my own unbelief or what, but by Tuesday, that, that's the kind of thing that sounds good. Then I start thinking, who's going to help me? Now I'm down here. All the offerings going to him. I came down I'm trying to think. I think I gave 100000 to him and 50000 to my friend Tom, whose church got hit by the hurricane. So then that all feels good. Then a couple of days go by and your stupid brain kicks in. Okay, you came down here and gave 150. You're not receiving anything. What about your own budget? So when that came, rather than whining, I just lifted my hands and said, Father, do something this week that shows me that I was led by the Spirit coming down here to help out my friend. Show me a sign that you're with me down here. In Jesus' name, amen. Literally, within 10 minutes, I got a text message from a friend of mine in Tampa. He said, there's a businessman that found out you were here and he heard you preach last night. He left a vehicle for you to use at your hotel. It's down with the valet. I go down, it's a Rolls Royce. So I said to the Lord, that'll do. Now, I brought that up for this reason. You know, you drive a Rolls Royce for a day, you remember it's a Rolls Royce. Two days, it's amazing. After a couple of days, you forget. You're just driving. You forget what car you're driving. So I, I needed a haircut, and I looked up where the best barber shop was in Tampa, and the best barber shop was where they all are, where the bullets fly. So I drive, you know, I drive to a bad part of Tampa in that black Rolls Royce, pull in the thing, and I'm dressed like this, except I had all the buttons open. So I, I get out of the car with, with this ridiculous necklace, looking like uh, Denzel Washington on training day. And I, I'm not thinking, you know, I'm just get, digging out whatever's left in my suitcase. So I walk in, and all the barbers go, who are you? I said, oh, my name's Jonathan. They said, are you like a, a rapper or something? A rapper. What? How much less rapper vibes could I give off? No. I'll give you a second guess. Uh, they said, so I sit down and they go, man, that's a nice car. I said, thank you. They said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. <laughs> she said, and she's a super nice lady. She goes, uh, I'm not trying to be offensive. Now, when someone starts their sentence with that, be ready to be offended. I'm not trying to be offensive. What they're saying is, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm going to be offensive. She said, I'm not trying to be offensive, but as a minister, aren't you embarrassed to drive a car like that? And I said to her, because I know what it's like. No, you want to know when I was embarrassed? Was when I was driving to all my meetings in a smashed-in Toyota that hadn't been registered in two years. But you know what? No one ever batted an eye at that. The ministry I worked for at the time, not only didn't, if I was a pastor, I am a pastor, and I had somebody on my staff that was driving an unregistered car because it was smashed in the back, who does that make look bad? We've had several staff members at our church, their families have moved to the church. That is one of the greatest compliments I've ever been paid because that number one, it tells me what they tell their parents behind my back. 
Number two, when they come to the church, I've had unsaved parents get saved. Because it's not me with a super nice car and everybody that works for me driving a car held together by K-Love bumper stickers. Everybody's blessed. I told you that story that I saw Abraham taking an Uber. I don't like that. I didn't like the people that help us load the bags on the jet, watch me drive away in my SUV, and Abraham wait for a taxi. I don't like that. Doing Because I've been Abraham. I've worked for other ministries where you all the blessing goes to the top and none goes to you. No. Abraham paid his men. You shouldn't have people suffer so you can live on more. God's got enough blessing for everybody. Till I get my abs back, I'm buttoning this thing up. <laughs> Started out with a six-pack, now I got the whole keg. <laughs> so, aren't you embarrassed? Think of the interesting, depraved mind of, of an average Christian when it comes to finances. Because I was driving that... Uh, it's. <laughs> It's not a, a, an opinion. It's an illegal vehicle. It's wrong to drive a car that's not registered. It's dangerous. No word from anybody. No, look, let's get you a car. So then I, I, I finally hit a little bit of a breakthrough, enough to get a car. And the man that I was working for in the ministry comes and says, listen, we're in the middle of a building program right now. I can't have you buying a new car. That's Christianity. You take no abuse for driving an illegal car that's beat up. Oh, we like poverty. But if you go to buy a new car, which makes sense? Not even forget the Bible. What makes sense? If somebody has an illegal car and they get enough money to buy a new car, should you discourage that? Should you discourage them from driving the other car? Yes, it's illegal. If you don't discourage them, a police officer will. Come with me. What about the car? We'll take care of it. That's Christianity in a nutshell. You can drive to church in the most beat up, blasphemy to the blood of Jesus looking car that you've ever had. Nobody bats an eye, but most churches, not this one. If you drive in a new car, you have to give a defense attorney speech to three people on your way into church. Where'd you get that car? The car store. How'd you get it? You know, Christians, they already get their speech ready. We had some extra money come back from income tax, plus my son, you know, he's an attorney. He sent us a Father's Day gift. What do you got to explain the blessing for? Why do you got to grill people for getting blessed? How about lifting your hands and saying, nice car, brother. God is a good God, and the devil is a bad devil. Hallelujah. So, I know what it's like to drive a car I'm embarrassed of. I used to park that car that was smashed in in the back that I couldn't get fixed. I'd drive to my meeting. I would drive it to the furthest spot in the back and park it backwards so the back was facing the field. Literally, I'm telling you the truth. I'm talking for years. Literally, every church I went to, they'd go, why are you parking back there? We have a special spot saved for you up front. I know, I, I must have missed it the last five nights. I'm sorry. I keep getting lost. No, it's an embarrassment. I was embarrassed of that. I'm not embarrassed. Of, you know how I'd be? So I said to the lady, Don't, aren't you embarrassed as a pastor 
to drive a Rolls Royce? I said, let me ask you a question. You thought I was a rapper and it would be okay to drive it as a rapper, right? I said, why is it something to be proud of to make money off of song lyrics that generally debase women the worst you could debase them, glorify violence, glorify broken homes and murder? And, and, and I know that's not all hip-hop, but let, be honest. So it's okay to do that. I said, but as a minister, I said, you want to know how I got that car? It was waiting for me in the parking lot. Somebody that heard me preach that got touched left me the keys for the week. I'm not ashamed of the blessing of God. I, I'm proud that God, that I serve Jehovah Jireh. She said, that makes sense. I never thought of it that way before. And I'm trying to change people's thinking in church from 12 years of public school education where it's okay for casinos to have it, pornographers to have it, but the churches to have the bottom. Oh no, the blessed people should be the sons and daughters of God that rise up in the covenant wealth of their father Abraham. Never be ashamed of the blessing of God. Somebody say, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. This is a super nice watch. You know what you're supposed to do if you're a minister? You're supposed to have a different watch you wear to preach and then wear this one at home and on vacation and stuff. But I'm not. I like this one. Some people might get offended. Then get offended. There's 10,000 other ministries you can go listen to. Why do I want to attract people that like me to be poor? You're rooting against me, my wife, and my kid, and I want to try to attract you. You can get lost. If your father gives you a coat of many colors, you don't keep it hung up in the closet because your brothers don't like it. You break that thing out and wear it because the blessing of God is a walking billboard that you don't serve some punk God. You serve the most high God, the creator of heaven and earth, who owns all the silver and he owns all the gold. One more time, take 20 seconds, clap your hands, give the Lord a mighty shout. Come on, let the devil know you know he's defeated. Hallelujah. Say it so the devil can hear you. I've got a blessing with my name on it. You should get interested in increase. I told you what our budget is a month for the ministry, 1.4 million a month. And we usually clear it and don't break even. So let me ask you a question, because you're, you're if I'm good enough in math to figure this out, I know you are. If our budget's 1.4 million a month, then what's our tithe every month? Minimum, what's the tithe? $140,000. Do you know how fun it is every month to just change somebody's life? Don't even make a big announcement or nothing. Just send it and then get the call five days later. We just got a check from your ministry. Why did you send this? This is my tithe. Oh, my goodness. I just want to say thank you. You're welcome. Thank the Lord. Because he did it. I was in an apartment telling my wife we'll never need an employee, so I know I didn't do it. But I decided to get on the tithing track. You know, anytime people start rising up to condemn something, you know that God's on the midst of doing a breakthrough in that thing. 
When the devil knew Moses was coming, he started killing babies in Egypt, Hebrew babies. When the devil knew Jesus was coming, he started killing two and under in Bethlehem. When the devil knew that Joel's prophecy is about to break loose, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on your sons and daughters, he started going after the sons and daughters with fentanyl, transgender ideology to mess them up. And when he knew that the body of Christ is about to break through in the area of finances, amazing how all of a sudden all these ministers rose up. I used to teach on tithing, but now that I've grown, I realize that it's wrong. They give the money back. We're under grace, not under the law. Anybody that tells you tithing is part of the law, you're listening to a moron. Abraham tithed. Was Abraham under the Levitical law? Was Levi his great-grandson? Abraham, Isaac, son, Jacob. And then uh, Levi, yeah, great-grandson. So he wasn't under Levi. He was before Levi. Abraham tithed before the law was given. Turn to Hebrews chapter 7. You're going to tithe to your church. So I get no good out of, I'm talking like uh, logically speaking. I get no good out of whether you tithe or don't tithe. I'm telling you what changed for me. I'm telling you what the Bible says, and I'm telling you why all these jerks have come out of the woodwork to condemn tithing. Hebrews 7.1. I got another question. All the people are speaking out against tithing all of a sudden. Is their church up or down? Nobody there. It's empty. Turn the lights down as low as you want. Nobody's there. So you taught something that grew an 8,000-person church, and now you're teaching something that shrunk your church to three, 400 people. The Word produces fruit. I said the Word produces fruit. I'm saying that for the benefit of my Pentecostal holiness friends. We only have 30 people because we preach the true Word. Did Jesus preach a fake Word? Yeah, the Word will run some people off, but it's a net gain. Did Peter preach a false Word? 3,000 were added to the church and he preached on repentance. The word produces fruit, not destruction. We preach the true word. I don't think so. Hebrews 7.1. This Melchizedek. By the way, Hebrews in the Old Testament or New Testament? Tithing's not mentioned anywhere in the New Testament. This is a letter written to New Testament Christians. About tithing. It's actually the strongest revelation on tithing in the entire Bible. Stronger than Malachi 3. So how come it doesn't, just doesn't say Hebrews 7.1? Y'all heard about tithing? How many know we don't have to do it anymore? On to the next thing. No, he's going to go through a revelation to New Testament Christians. This Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God Most High. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Pause. The tithe that Abraham paid that they're referring to in Genesis 14 and then the blessing he got in 15 was not an individual tithe. It was a corporate tithe because Abraham took 318 of his men with him, then paid a tithe to Melchizedek, then paid the men. So this is where you get the doctrine of being a tithing ministry or a tithing business. 
If your business doesn't tithe, you can pray all you want. You can quote Philippians 4, my God shall supply all my needs all you want. You're not qualified for what the Bible says. Yeah, two amens, two more than you get most places. And I know people don't, it's amazing if you listen to people, how their brains must just not like connect in a certain area. Well, how can a business afford to pay 10%? But then you talk to them and they all get loans and pay that percent to the bank. Go get it. The bank help you get a building. By the time you pay the mortgage off, you've paid 1.75 what, what it's worth, 2.20 what it's worth. It's a $400,000 building. By the time you're done, you paid 800 and some thousand dollars. True or false? How can anyone afford to tithe? As you write a mortgage check to the bank. Bishop David Oyedepo, that has the largest ministry on planet Earth, it's building a billion-dollar church building. It's a 109,000-seat auditorium. The children's church seats 20,000 children. They're building a man-made lake to do baptisms in. And they're doing it in an economy with an 850 to 1 exchange rate. It takes 800. The average congregant makes $2 a day tithing. Used to sit on bench with a grass roof, but he was a tither. He says, you'll either pay your tithes with joy to the Lord, or you'll pay it with tears somewhere else. You can put it in the offering, or you can go buy a new alternator. But Meineke doesn't give you back the windows of heaven. You will pay that money because it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. And the curse of the Lord's in the house of the thief. You, you know, I didn't start preaching this now. I preached it when I had the smashed in car. But I don't have it. I played the videos. How are you getting land given to you like that? How are you getting build, building in Fort Worth like that? How are you getting a plane delivered to you? Because I'm a tithing man and a tithing ministry. And God said, if you'll give me the 10%, I'll make a problem for you. I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that's so great, you'll never have enough room to take it all in. Try it. Try it. And let me prove it to you. Does your business pay tithes? If the answer is no, then you have the answer to your struggles. We can't hire anybody. There's no competent workers. We had 12 employees when we started the church. We're at almost 50 right now, all competent. Moved there from other places. Abraham felt in his spirit to drive to our church from Oklahoma. I saw him sitting on the front row. I said, did you go to Bible school? Yeah. Did you graduate? Yeah. I feel in my spirit to hire you. You're hired. I don't know if that's legal. That's conscripted labor, but our ministry has the same hiring practices as the pirates had in the 1600s. God sends help. I said, God sends help. If you tithe, God erases need. Then he erases anyone's ability to jerk with your money. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Do you know we had somebody that went out of their way to cause problems for our ministry in Pittsburgh? They said off the record to somebody, I don't like that church, and I'm going to do everything in my power to finish them. Do you know when I found out about it? After it was all over. Another lawyer found out about it that doesn't even go to our church. 
and took his multi-million dollar legal practice and went after that guy on behalf of our church. And I found out when it was all finished. And there's about nine other testimonies I could share better than that that the statute of limitations aren't up on yet. And I can't talk about it. That one person after another that was a devourer, we're going to sue them. We're going to take their building. We're going to take their money. And God, I didn't have to pray. God said, if you tithe, it's better than paying protection money to the Gambino family. I will cut the hand off the devourer that comes after you. I tell you, the last financial defeat that you ever saw will be the last one you ever see. You know, this is an odd thing for a pastor to say, but the mafia actually wasn't terribly bad. When they were running New York City, it was a much better operation than it is right now with these clowns running it. So they come to your business, right? And they tell you, you owe 3000 a month. I'm going to send uh, Luigi by with his brother Mario. And you pay 3000 a month from your business. But then what happens? Because you're feeding 3000 into them, anybody that tries to mess with your revenue stream, what happens? They get a warning. You pay me and I protect you. If the mafia was running New York City, there wouldn't have been any business closures. They wouldn't have closed for COVID. They just said, we'll take care of the Department of Health. We need you to keep earning money so we keep getting paid. Correct or incorrect? Well, God, but you had to put up with a few bad things too. Garbage truck explode every other week or so. If you're watching from the Gambino family, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just making analogies. I want to make sure me and you are cool. Well, God, with none of the negative stuff, the protection end comes into play. If you give the first of what you make, 10%, you don't have to be led of the Spirit what to tithe. It's 10%. All you need is a calculator. You don't even need tongues. If you'll kick in out of honor, it would say honor. honor. You don't pay it as a tax. You pay it, God, this is me on Sunday morning showing you that with all you've given me, I'm in your house like I was when I was four. I'm in your house like I was when I was broke. And I'm showing you with this tithe, I remember where the source of my blessing came from. It didn't come from my bachelor's degree. It didn't come from my master's in business. It didn't come from my Robin Hood investment account. You are my source. And if you do, Bible says, see, if I won't open the windows of heaven. What do you do through windows? Look, I'll give you divine ideas. How did Abraham know there was water under the ground? Study history. Nobody in that period of history dug wells. They were nomadic. They chased water. They danced for rain. God said, hey, Abraham, see all these dummies dancing to get it to rain? Get a shovel and start digging. I'll show you where there's an endless supply so that even when they're in drought, you'll have more than enough. They were so stupid, instead of digging their own wells, they just tried to stop his up. When they took his wells, the wells wouldn't produce for him anymore. They thought the wells were his blessing. But the blessing was spiritual. It's what caused the wells to work. God will open the windows of heaven. You're one idea away from $10 million. And God will show you heaven's ideas. 
Then there's another version where that word windows is translated floodgates. We're in St. Louis, so it won't make much sense here, but if we were in New Orleans or London, then people know there's floodgates. If you take those floodgates down, water doesn't start trickling into the city. Water rushes like a tsunami into the city. God said, see if I won't open the floodgates. That's what's happening practically right now for my wife and I in our ministry. The floodgates are open. One testimony after another testimony after another testimony. That's not because God likes me better than anyone else. It is inherent to the tithing person. Why do you think Colgate started at 10% and upped it to 50? The more I do it, the bigger it gets. Then Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle. And gave it to Melchizedek. Not the Humane Society. Not Easter Seals. The name Melchizedek means king of justice. The king of Salem means king of peace. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors. Who is a King James here? Just be ready to be called on if you would. Because it might butcher this at the end. He remains a priest. What's the next word? His priesthood is forever. Abraham, now if it said Abraham paid tithes to Levi, whose priesthood was under the law, then tithing ends with the law. But Abraham paid tithes to a priest whose priesthood is forever. It's a forever covenant. Genesis 17, 1, I'm El Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect. If you serve me. You and your descendants have this continual responsibility. Genesis 17, 1 to 8. If you do what Abraham did, you get what Abraham got. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of all he had taken in battle. He paid the tithe then paid the men. He didn't pay the men, pay his expenses, and then give God a tithe on what was left. Do you tithe on the gross or the net? Most people tithe on the net. God would owe them money because they're they're in debt. Consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham gave him a tenth of all he had taken in battle. Now the law of Moses required that the priests who are descendants of Levi must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel who are also descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tithe from Abraham, and Melchizedek placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promises of God. And without question, the person who has power to give a blessing is greater than the one who's blessed. Let me hear verse 8 in in, uh, the King James, nice and loud. Yeah, Hebrews 7, 8. No, no, up here. Go ahead. Here, men who die receive tithes, but there it is received by him who it is witnessed, he liveth. You pay your tithe to men here on earth, but it's not, it's received by them on behalf of Christ, and he receives your tithe in heaven. That's what causes the windows of heaven 
to open up. You know, my dad is old school. He's an old school preacher. So I'll, I'll you know, I, I'll give my dad good offerings and send him my tithe here and there. And he'll say, Jonathan, I got your check. I want you to use, know that money is going to be used prayerfully and carefully. I have a project coming up. I said, dad, you can spend it on underwear for all I care. I gave it to you. It's your business what you do with it. I'm using you as a conduit to give it to Christ. Your church will receive the tithe. But in your heart, they should be a vehicle. When I, the, the, the 50000 that I gave on Sunday night, so I'm not bringing it up to hold it over your head. I'm giving that to Pastor Greg, who is an ordained servant of the Lord. He doesn't have two failed businesses and decide to start pastoring and we meet in his garage. He's a pastor. I'm giving that to you, but I know it's being received by Christ. If he never had me back to preach, it wouldn't change one thing how I feel about it. It's not bribe money. It's not to keep a door open so I can preach. I am giving my time because I can't do it to Jesus personally. If I could, I would. I'd put it in his nail-scarred hand and say, this is my tithe. I'd run it to him, but he's not here. So I'd do it to what he says. Though men receive it here, it is received by him who it is witness he lives forever. If you'll get that in your spirit, you'll never have church. You'll never hashtag anything church hurt. We've given over $31,000 to Pastor Greg. Well, that's your fault for giving $31,000 to Pastor Greg. Give to Christ through Pastor Greg. I know Jonathan preaches that stuff about financial fortune. We gave all of our lives and money to missions. That's your fault for giving it to missions. Should have given it to Christ. And if missions was what he, I'm not, my life's not given to evangelism or revival to the church. My life is given to Christ. Those are assignments he's given me to do. But everything I do, I'm not doing for a denomination. I'm not doing for church people. I am doing it as unto the Lord, and the Lord repays. Get ready to collect the biggest bonuses from heaven that you've ever collected in Jesus' mighty name. Verse 9. In addition, we might even say that these Levites, now this is getting deep, the ones who collect the tithe, paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. For although Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's loins when Melchizedek collected the tithe. You know what that tells you? That God reserved a blessing for Abraham's great-grandson when he tithed because the seed form was in his loins. The Shuttlesworth family were a bunch of nothings that worked on a coal mine in West Virginia and had nothing. My grandfather got saved at 19 at a tent meeting and started tithing and gave his life to the Lord and worked in the ministry. His sons, Ted's been here. My dad, my Uncle Terry, my Uncle Tim, they're all in the ministry. They're all serving the Lord, and they all do very well. My dad, I've never seen somebody between my daughter and my father convince me about the benefits of, of, of tithing like my dad, because my dad genuinely does not care about money. And it finds him. And it embarrasses him. I know somebody gave me this watch. I don't even feel comfortable wearing it in the, like that. I pray God embarrasses you with blessings this year. Well, you have to be worried about what your sister's going to say when she sees what you're driving. 
If people are mad about how much you've prospered up until now, they better get ready to bite, to grind their teeth to the bloody gums because God's just getting warmed up with what he has for you. Somebody say the best is yet to come. I was there at 16 when we lived in rented homes our whole life and a lady called and told my father, the Lord spoke to me today to give you my home. Seven acres of property in a city. No other home has an acre in that whole city. Seven acres, four, what, 5,000 square feet, two fireplaces. My dad loves deer. There's a breakfast room with an all-glass circular room, and deer would come and feed while they'd have breakfast. It was like God built a house for him. It's a home my dad wouldn't have looked at in a real estate guide in a million years. It's a house that if my mom looked at it and said, we should look into getting that, my dad would say, are you crazy? If you give God his tenth, God will give you more than you would have stolen. If I was a crooked preacher and I was going to make a plan to steal offerings, I never would make a plan to steal enough to get a Rolls Royce in this watch. That'd, that'd be too much. People would notice. God would be better to you than if you made some evil plan to bless yourself. God will bless you more than you'd have blessed yourself. If you won't steal from him and instead honor him, He'll pour out a blessing that's so great. The only problem you'll have is having enough room to take it all in. It only takes one person. Now all the grandkids. Teddy's doing well. You know, we preach this stuff. He'll increase your livestock. You better be careful what you say. A guy from Montana called Teddy and said, I heard you saying God will increase your livestock. Do you have any? He said, no. You know, he lives in Fort Lauderdale. He said, I'm going to give you a cow. He said, I don't have anywhere to put it. He said, I'll keep it on my ranch in Montana. Get a brand made, and I'll brand it for you. And then starts adding cattle to it. You start, you start confessing the word, you'll get the parts of it you don't even want. You'll be the only person in St. Louis with camels. That's why you had camels. Yeah, I know. You've got to be careful reading Deuteronomy. God is a good God. As much as I'd like to dance around it, and I got 10 laws that have nothing to do with giving. But you cannot properly teach people about Abraham's blessing without telling them about a step that Abraham took, which is faithfulness in the tithe and the offering. If I'd have kept the tithe from our ministry, I couldn't have bought the first building. I couldn't have bought that land. I couldn't have got that jet. Nothing. When you give God the tithe, He's looking to take you to a level that you could never get to yourself. You know another thing? When you give the tithe, you don't have to give some speech about how you believe God and I believe. No. It's all said when you pass the seed. I'm giving this because I believe what you said in Malachi. I believe what you said in Hebrews. Now think of this. As much as we talk about generational curse, the Bible says that when Abraham tithed in Hebrews 7, it began a generational blessing. My grandfather had a lot of generational curses that were a part of him. Grew up in a coal mining, fighting, drinking family. But when he got saved and started tithing, I don't battle any of those things. He broke the curse. And now the grandson and the great-granddaughter, my daughter, are enjoying a blessing. It only takes one person in a family to say, I'm going to be the one that smashes this thing in the head, not just for me, but for my children and my children's children. And I know those people are sitting here today. 
in Jesus' name. Go ahead. One more time. Take 30 seconds. Give the Lord a great hand clap. Come on on the East Coast, in California, in Europe. I'm breaking it today. Lift both hands to the Lord. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that today would begin a new chapter in every family's life. That somebody would smash the head of every devil that's ever reared its head in their family. Today, not over time, today. A new beginning and a fresh start. I pray people before December 31st would be embarrassed by what God gives them. They have to give a speech at the barbershop about how they got it. And no one believes it's not from selling drugs. In Jesus' name. You think the Matamoros drug cartel can bless you more than God? You think the United States Senate can bless you more than God? There is no path you can get on to riches that's greater than the covenant path to riches. The blessing of the Lord makes a man, and he adds no sorrow. But you, you can stay on your feet, put your hands down. You go to Las Vegas and watch them put a $2 billion casino up in nine months. No special offerings. No newsletters. Just pop it up. Why should heathens, and I'm not knocking, I'm a capitalist. Do your thing. I'm not looking to take food off anybody's table. But if somebody can do that for gambling and alcohol and build an ornate $2 billion building, why should the church struggle for $3 million to build a house of worship for God? When that starts bothering you like it bothered me when I was 19, how are we taking offering to do this when they're putting stadiums up for the football team that hasn't won in however many years? Popping casinos up. We got to struggle for 20 years to do what the heathen can do in nine months? No, something's wrong. And you put your hands up and say, Father, whether anybody else gets on board or not, if you'll bless me, I'll do something to take care of this. Yeah. Then you start where you're at. You know how many people have seen that lady, that me give a million dollars to Pastor Rodney, and then I t heard me tell that story how that lady gave us a million dollar check? Say, I want to give a million dollars. I know how that feels. I told the Lord that when I was 19. You can't give what you don't have, but what you can do is start where you are. Then as the harvest comes in on that, you can up your giving. Then a bigger harvest comes in on that. I can't give a million. Yeah, you've got to start. Have you ever given a thousand? Then you're never going to give a million. Then when the harvest comes back, make up your mind. You're going to give your first 10,000. Make up your mind. You should visualize it right now that one day when they're receiving tithes and offerings here at Hope Church, you're going to come down with a check for $25,000. Pastor Greg doesn't have to take you out to eat. We have a rather large check we were considering releasing. No, do what Anna and Elsa said. Let it go. Then it'll come back to you. Now you have your chance to sow your first 50,000. Then your first 100,000. Then you get to the point where you're bare minimum, 140,000 a month. We crested $4 million that we've given away to other ministries this year with a third of the year to go. Our old record was 2.7 million, which was set last year. 1.2 million the year before that. 800,000 the year before that. The more we give, the more comes back. If you concentrate on sowing the seed God speaks to you to sow, you never have to worry about your harvest.
the harvest is guaranteed. Can you say amen? amen? I was preaching in South Carolina. The lady drove up. She stopped me after. I felt to drive up. I live five hours away in another state. And I wanted to give you this, $325,000 for the ministry. Just, just God will just bypass everything. You get on a different track. Lift your hands one more time. Father, as people enter into this covenant with you, I thank you for practical, visible, ornate financial breakthrough for your children. The Pentecostals won't be forth from the bottom of poverty. They'll be where they belong at the top. With healing, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and covenant wealth. In Jesus' name. All God's people said amen. amen. You can be seated. I'm going to give you the opportunity to give. Those of you that are online, I know the Lord's been speaking to people watching today to give. No one's under any pressure to give. Everybody say practical steps. I'll tell you another thing I got ahead of. If you need an offering envelope, hold your hand up. I, I, but I am saying a couple important things while you fill it out. Just like I said, there's going to be a disruption in air travel. I knew in my spirit that banks were going to start closing down accounts and messing with people's money that held Christian viewpoints. I announced that in 2022 in February, I believe. So we applied to have a faith-based credit union. The U.S. government hasn't approved a faith-based credit union since 2017. And under the Biden administration, we got approved at the beginning of this year where now we'll have our own federal credit union. So if Visa and MasterCard and Square and American Express all turn against the church, that bank, the reason I'm starting it, is there's a couple reasons. But one is we'll have our own payment processing platform. So like there's push pay, where you have all these heathens making money off church offerings every Sunday because they take a percentage. Anybody ever use push pay to give to your church? Good. When you go to text to give, they even send you a link. Would you like to pay the, the 2%? So they're, they're taking people's money as they're given to the Lord. I'm going to charge churches on our payment processing platform. No money on top of what credit cards charge. So it'll put those heathens out of business. Then once they're all out of business, I'm going to start charging 40%. No, no, I'm just going to give you that. I'm going to leave the other part off. They'll probably go to hell. Because we're not going to... It's the, the day of Christians having their lives dictated to them by people who hate them comes to an end now. Amen. God's going to rise you up like he did with Abraham in the face of the Canaanites and the Philistines. How many believe that with me? Yeah. Well, no better day to start than today. If you've been off that covenant track of giving, and the thing I'd like most is when, if Pastor Greg were to have me back, just this place start to get loaded with millionaires and realize it started that day. Like the guy that gave me this watch. That's what he told me. I got saved that day. You heard me preach. Tithed off his business. That was in 2018. His business took in over $100 million last year. Yeah. Told me with tears in his eyes. Marriage strong. Children strong. Said thank you. $100 million. You know what he does? Solar panels. So keep that in mind. Let God give you good business ideas. You know, I'm all for beaded Christian jewelry. So you got to sell a lot of those things to make $100 million out of the trunk of your car. Solar panel, natural gas, nuclear power. 
microchip technology. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart. Have a big mind. Amen? Amen? As he opens the windows of heaven to you. So there it is, revivaltoday.com. You click give now if you're watching online. I have a book called The 20 Laws That Govern the Financial Anointing. I gave my one copy that I had up here away. I'm going to send that to everybody that sows a seed of any size today. If you're watching and you're from a business and God spoke to your heart, you could do something that could really launch us forward as we build two churches and two locations simultaneously. And uh, I had two spots open up on secular television in Dallas. So we're going to go on there. Uh, anybody ever watch Check the News? Either this Saturday or next Saturday. Anybody ever heard of Steve Bannon? I'm going to go on his network on Saturday nights live with Check the News, either beginning this Saturday or next Saturday. Isn't that great? So we'll be able to make more people irritated. And then in Dallas, I'm, uh, 9 o'clock and 9.30 opened up on one of the secular networks. I hired a television agent. He said, which one do you want? I said, well, you know better than me. What should I take, 9 or 9.30? He said, if I were you, I'd take them both. He said, I'd run two half-hour shows. People will think that the network made a mistake and tune in just for that reason. He's 80 years old, knows what he's talking about. So I'll be on twice, Sunday morning, in the Dallas-Fort uh, Worth Metroplex, 6 million people. It covers, and there's actually 20-some thousand households that watch it, both half hours, in the Dallas area. Come on at the end, love to be your pastor, come to church. We're going to give the devil a broken job before we hit 2024. Amen. If you want to mail a check and you're watching online, Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Don't forget when you're all done giving to go to revivaltoday.com slash claim my offer. There's a claim my offer button because if you give by Cash App or Venmo, we don't have your name and address, then I can't send you the book. Then the next time I see you, there's weirdness between us. You have your arms crossed and I can't figure out why. Where's my book? And it was actually your fault. So go to revivaltoday.com and click claim my offer. How many of you were blessed today? How wonderful was that last night with the people that got saved, including my one friend? I posted that on social media today, that scripture. Oh, the joys of him whose sin is forgiven, whose record of iniquity is blotted out. That one guy that got saved that gave me a hug, almost fractured a couple of my ribs, then turned around like he won the Stanley Cup. That's what I like. That's my favorite part of the ministry. Everybody say tithe. Abraham started to have influence. I was at a, a dinner a handful of days ago. I have no idea how I was there. There was a sitting U.S. senator there. And uh, when somebody introduced me to him, he said, Shuttlesworth. He said, I have a sister-in-law that lives in West Virginia, and you prayed for her about 10 years ago, and she got healed. I always wanted to meet you. But I was like, took conflicting medications or something. I never thought that guy would know me. And then uh, he talked to me almost the whole night, and towards the end of the night, he was asking me questions about the Bible and stuff. Then he gave me his phone, or he said, give me your phone, and he typed. And he said, that's my cell phone number. I would appreciate it if you stayed in touch with me. I, I enjoyed speaking to you. I'm telling you. I've done everything possible to not get invited to anything like that. Anybody ever watch Check the News? Have I been trying to keep my 
doors open or have I been trying to weld them shut and napalm every possible bridge that God's doing for me? There's a grace that comes on your life. I was sitting there the whole time thinking, how in the world am I here? And I was at his table with a handful of guests. Guy next to me, top neurosurgeon in the world. Other guy, vice president of a bank that if I called the bank's name, you'd know it. Vice president of it nationally. And then me, C minus in math. My mom went to so many parent-teacher conferences, she had her own chair there. Get on God's path. God will take you higher than you ever planned on going yourself. Let me ask you this. For all the people that are fathers like me and mothers that are here. What job could I have right now that I get on a Citation 10 to fly to St. Louis? The two biggest hospitals in Pittsburgh just sold their private aircraft. So if, if I was CEO of those places, I'd, I'd, I'd fly commercial. So I'm saying that because the things you have your children miss church so that they can get, I have them from being in church. Put God first. Make your child have a conversation with their little league coach like my parent made me have. Excuse me, I have Royal Rangers on Wednesday. Okay, whatever. Put God first, and you'll never finish last. Amen? Nobody puts God first and finishes second. Nobody. What about, you know, you'll have anti-prosperity people go, what about Paul? What, you know, want to know about Paul? You're still talking about him 2,000 years later, aren't you? Guys, referenced every Sunday 10,000 times as if he lives down the street. As Paul said, nobody even says his last name. Just Paul. Got cities named after him all over the world. From putting God first, he did it all in half a lifetime. And he had all the other stuff too. I was teaching on home ownership one time, and this guy, you know, demon-possessed people always type in all caps. He wrote, did Paul have his own home? As if there's no answer for it. Acts 28, as a prisoner, the Bible says, and they gave Paul his own private residence, and he was able to receive, uh, receive and entertain guests. So I, I said, read, read that to him and said, yes, he did. The guy just wrote back, oh. <laughs> did Paul, I, 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 take it easy, Beelzebub. We'll close with that. Hold your seat up before the Lord. Father, I thank you for the wonderful people of St. Louis, Illinois, Indiana, rural Missouri. Thank you for all those that are from Branson and watching from Branson. We love you, Branson. It's like if a state fair was a town. We bless you. I thank you for your hand that's on Missouri. I thank you for your hand that's on St. Louis and the great people of St. Louis. I pray you would raise up out of this meeting kingdom stars. People that rise so high, it irritates people. And they do it by your hand, never compromising, never taking one step to the left or to the right. In Jesus' name. For all these things, we're careful to give you all the praise all the honor and all the glory. I pray those that are in university, before they even graduate, doors would open. 
where they're making post-university money during their last year of school. God's going to do that for somebody. Thank you for a hundredfold return. I thank you that every seed sower and tither that's here for the rest of their life, myself included, before any need arises, the provision will be there ahead of time. In Jesus' name. All God's people said amen. amen. Go ahead and receive the, the uh, tithes and offerings. I'm going to scoop, but I'll wait around tonight to shake hands and cast devils out of people like I had to do last night. Sometimes somebody comes up after the service and you go, uh-oh, service isn't over yet. How many of you were blessed today? It's great knowing the path forward. Not just what the Bible says are his blessings. See, that's where it remains like obscure. Now, I know God can do that and all that. But then when you know the path to get you there, tithe, give offering, don't sin. Don't send pictures of your no-no places to other people. That, that, that can hurt the blessing down the road. Sometimes if you get out of the shower and you'll come here and go, man, I look good. Just enjoy the view yourself. Doesn't need to go on Instagram. That can, that can harm the blessing. Basically, if you can keep those things straight, you're going to the top. You say amen. If you have trouble in that area, just keep your camera in a locked case. Don't take it into the bathroom with you. <laughs> Say this out loud. Shower time, shower time is not picture time. Not That'll help you maintain the blessing. Well, three people have lost their ministries over it. It's worth mentioning. <laughs> Angels of the Lord, take the camera out of people's hands. <laughs> Jesus' name. Well, I'm going to close while I still have a ministry. Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.